My name is Danielle Tucker. I'm a singer, vocal coach. I'm lead singer for the Mighty Untouchables Band. I'm the recent host and producer of the Pandemic Proof Singer Summit. And um, what you're watching tonight is the Pandemic Proof Singer Series. It's a weekly interview series for singers, about singers. Uh, we talk about moving forward in the midst of this pandemic, our um, industry shut down. Uh, it's about community and lifting one another up, encouraging each other, inspiring each other, helping each other do hard things. I am really, really excited to um, have this guest here with me tonight. I have heard her name in circles for ever, uh, but we'll be meeting, we are meeting for the first time tonight. Um, so let me tell you a little bit about her. I've got Ginger Cowgirl with us tonight. She's a California-born, now Nashville-based um, vocalist. Uh, her range and versatility, she sings country, jazz, rock, soul, and pop um, with equal proficiency and passion. She's classically trained. Uh, she's a classically trained pianist from the age of seven. She has her degree from UC Berkeley and sings in four different languages. She got her start in the music industry singing jingles while li living in Buenos Aires. So please help me welcome, give a big round of applause to Ginger Cowgirl. Hello. Hello. Thanks for having me. Oh, thank you for doing this. I'm excited to meet you. Like thank I you. said, I, you know, it's weird. San Diego is kind of a small, well, it is a small music town, but so you kind of hear these names in, in your circles uh, all the time and you hear people's music and their work and everything. But um, because we're all typically working on the same nights, we don't often get to spend much time together. So I'm excited to meet you. Nice to meet you too. I've heard your name forever. Yeah. <laughs> uh, cool. Well, you know what? I always like to start off the interview by talking about um, where you were at in your career when pandemic hit and uh, what kind of came to a screeching halt for you and, and how was the transition over the year for you? I was getting ready to record a record when everything started. And actually, I'm really grateful that everything happened because the year, like most of the songs on the album I'm recording right now, I wrote in the last year. Mm. So I, I, I'm i pro, not pro COVID, but I'm pro <laughs> what all that spare time did for my songwriting ability. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. I like looking at it that way. <laughs> That's great. So you, you have um, another album in the works. You released an EP in 2019, which I've listened to all day, and it's amazing. I, are, I love your writing style. The lyrics are great. <laughs> I mean, it was just, I was, um, oh my gosh, what was the one song? I think it was an earlier song you put out, um, the douchebag song. Oh. I was laughing out loud. It was wonderful. <laughs> Every word is true. Yeah, uh, I could hear I could hear the truth behind that for sure. <laughs> and I just I want to comment on your voice too. Your voice like grabbed me like the second I started hearing the music. You have this like amazing brightness and clarity, just crystal clear clear clarity in your voice, and I love that. That's just um, it's butter to my ears. So. Thank you. I'm a new fan for sure. Um, so tell tell us tell me about the album. Um, what's what's it like? Who's on it? When should we expect it? Well, I I'm the reason I'm back in San Diego right now is to record this record. 
I looked at a bunch of producers in Nashville and everybody was like $25,000 and I'm just like, hell nah, bro. I don't have a label. <laughs> so <laughs> I came back here. I'm doing it with Ben Moore at Singing Serpent in Kensington. Mm-hmm. And I just entrusted him with all the players. So interestingly, I feel like I know everybody in San Diego musically, but the people that he hired to be on this record, I had never heard of at all. Wow. And, but, but I'm sure you probably have like Jason Littlefield on bass and Matt Lenaud on drums. I don't know if you know those people, but, um, I yeah, don't. I didn't <laughs> see it. strange, but I'm sure they're great. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I had a guy, um, come down to do pedal steel and mandolin from LA. He I had never heard of him, but he, um, sorry, I can't talk. He has toured with like Nora Jones and John Mayer and Lucinda Williams and all these people. He was also in Steve Poltz's band in San Diego forever. So people probably, Doug Pettibone, people probably, some people know his name. I've but, heard that name. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, cool. yeah. So it was nice to meet new people and I don't like the studio. I really, I hate session singing. That's what I was doing all day today. Yeah. I know words create reality, so I shouldn't say I hate something. But I don't like it. <laughs> uh, unpack that a little bit for me. What is it about being in the studio you don't like so much? I just like, I'm a live singer. I don't like, I just feel like a terrible singer when I'm in the studio. Yeah. Just like, oh, I didn't articulate the end of that word. Oh, like I was slightly pitchy on this thing. And then, then I get in my head and like, there's there's so much evidence. I don't, we don't usually hear ourselves live I don't usually tape my gigs and like listen back to them I probably should that would improve my precision (laughs) but yeah it's it's just sort of horrifying I mean I feel like most singers don't enjoy the sound of their own voice anyway listening back Mm -hmm. to it but in this context when there's like a clock running and just a lot of pressure so yeah yeah there is absolutely no glossing over your flaws (laughs) or mishaps you know in the studio and and I um I, I share your feelings to a certain extent. I, I enjoy doing the work and I like the challenge of it. And um, I like learning and, you know, being with other uh, great singers, but there really is this kind of intimidation factor that goes along with it when you're used to being a live performer, because you're, you know, in live performance, you are fueled by an audience, you're fueled by that energy. And then when you go and step into the studio, you are in a cold, stark, box with nothing happening you're completely isolated and uh you know that there's a room full of people on another side of the glass staring at you and you know it's it can be really intimidating and there's no there's no like studios are you know soundproof sound treated so there's no natural reverb and it's like the only singer mm-hmm. i've ever met in my life that does not enjoy having reverb when she sings is tori rose who i'm, I'm sure you know <laughs> Oh, and yeah. she told me that she's like, Stacy, you need to sing with that reverb. I'm like, bitch, please. No, I do not. Like, <laughs> yeah, so, that yeah. doesn't feel good at all. I wonder why she likes that. <laughs> God, it works for her. Shit. Yeah. But... <laughs> yeah. It seems to be working, huh? <laughs> yeah. So what's, what is the album like? Um, are these all songs written by you and, um, is it a full length album? It is a full length album. It'll be my first full length album. And they all are written by me. So there's mm. there should be 12 songs on the record. Now that I've recorded them all, I'm like, they could be better. But oh well. Of course. Life is a journey. 
<laughs> are you still like in the midst of recording everything or is it just being wrapped up now? Uh, the band is done, but today was my first day of four days of vocal tracking. So I, I did four tracks today. Presumably I'll do four the next two days and then I'll do like background vocals. And I love harmonizing with myself. That's, that's one regard in which I do like singing mm-hmm. in the studio. Mm-hmm. So very cool. Yeah. Uh, that's awesome. And so when do you anticipate having it out? Probably, I don't know, it's a struggle for everyone that's releasing music right now, just because we're used to releasing it and promoting it with a tour. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm hopeful right now that, I mean, obviously things are already kind of back to normal. So presumably like spring next year, I can like tour hard. I want to go back to Europe. I did a tour of Europe in January of last year got back in February right before COVID hit. So that was nice timing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I want to take the time to like make a bunch of music videos and to do like, if I had a team of people helping me, I would put it out sooner. But since I have to do everything myself, it just is going to take longer. And I want to like hire PR and radio promo and like make it a proper, a proper debut debut. So yeah, so yeah. much that leads up to a release. I mean, I think, um, you, you know, people outside of this business don't understand mm-hmm. just all of the different channels and all of the buttons that need to be turned and all of the things that have to be prepared. It is, it's so much for one person. And I think that's, you know, probably one of the reasons we don't just like pump out music constantly, constantly, <laughs> and, you know, spit out albums left and right, because it is, it's a ton of work. So, but it's a great accomplishment, mm-hmm. you know, and it's something that you're going to have, you know, forever. Yeah, it really is insane how much goes into it. And now even when I don't like an album, I'm just like, cool, you did it. Like that counts for so much. <laughs> yeah. Congrats, even though I don't like it. But taste is so subjective anyway, so. Oh, so are you, are you talking about like looking back at your, oh, your own stuff that you've done or? Like other people's. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you don't need to name any names. It's fine. <laughs> oh, no, I'm not. I'm, I'm generally speaking a terribly judgmental bitch. I'm trying to. <laughs> mitigate that Bring it in a little, little bit, bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thank you well don't do that uh, for me <laughs> <laughs> do you write original music um you know what i have in the past but it's it's not been my thing for so long and i really think that you know i've just i've been so busy with um my band all of these years we've all talked a lot about writing together uh but we are you know we're seven people with wildly different personalities <laughs> and, you know, tastes and, uh, you know, we're, I think we're a little afraid of what we might become if we <laughs> go into, you know, writing, but you never know. And it's, it's something that I kind of, um, would like to get to and pursue, but man, if I didn't do it without, with a year off, I mean, <laughs> not sure when else I'm going to get to it. So <laughs> you have children though. You have an excuse. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, in fact, that's kind of, I think that's when writing kind of came to a halt for me. I, I had I had just done my first EP before my first child and was all like fired up to do the next one. And then I was pregnant again. And I was like, all right, well, so much for that. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's, let's back way up. Tell me about um, your background, where you're coming from. Did you come from a musical family? And what was your musical upbringing like? I grew up in OB. My parents, I, I do not have the nice story where my, I don't have a musical family, mm-hmm. <laughs> so I don't really know where it came from, but 
I mean, my mom played a Celine Dion CD every morning when I was in eighth grade for like a year, but she generally has bad taste in music. And <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I just always loved it. I saw Annie when I was like five and I just walked, I looked exactly like Annie too. So I would just walk around. My dad like hid the cassette tapes from me cause he was so sick of me playing them over and over again. Yeah. So yeah, um, I, I started taking piano when I was seven. I should have kept that up. I, I continued until I graduated from high school. Mm-hmm. And then I just kind of left music for a while. And I got a degree in anthropology. And it wasn't until I moved to Argentina, just for fun one year, mm-hmm. that I happened to sort of fall in with a band that was doing like electronic cumbia. Mm-hmm. Cumbia is very big in South America. So yeah. I, I jumped a lot of years there. Sorry, I'm a little nervous. Did I answer the question? Yes, you did. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I sang in high school too. Like okay. I, I did musicals. Yeah. I played Tori Amos and Fiona Apple songs on the piano in the school talent shows. So nice. Yes. <laughs> Love that. That's great. <laughs> so, uh, from the time you were in Argentina, so you're just kind of like jumping back into the music scene then, uh, what was the journey back to San Diego or did you go straight on to Nashville from there? No, I came back to San Diego. Um, and I had previously, after graduating from UC Berkeley, I kept living in the Bay Area, where I really would have, would still be, I'm sure, if I hadn't, I didn't like my job and I wanted to break up with my boyfriend, and the easiest way to do that seemed to be to leave the country, so. Nice, I mean. (laughs) Truly. (laughs) So me and my best friend moved down there. She left after six months, I left after a year, and yeah, when I got back to San Diego, I was just thinking like, I'll just stay here, live with my mom for free until I can find a good job. And, and then I just sort of got stuck here for seven years (laughs) living in my childhood bedroom. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Which, you know, has an effect to live with your mother has a definite effect on you. I'm sure it does. (laughs) But, (laughs) but yeah, when I got back, I wanted to keep singing and I started singing with this band of like guys in their 60s. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, yeah, we kind of got a big following in Coronado where, where all the guys lived. And then from there, I just decided, and we were doing all covers, you know, mm-hmm. everything from like all the genres, like jazz, and I sing in French and Spanish a lot and stuff like that. So, and then after a while, I just, it started to feel hollow to me somehow. Like I want I wanted to write my own music basically. Mm-hmm. And that I just moved to Nashville. I didn't know anybody. I just went in October of 2017. And yeah, I can honestly say that just being in that climate surrounded by, it's like constant, like IV drip of inspiration. Mm. So I know that, I don't really know that I've gotten better as a singer because I just don't sing as much. Like gigs don't pay there the way they pay here. Like everybody's playing for free. So yeah, I didn't sing as much, but I just buckled down on the songwriting thing, and there's the most amazing musicians ever there, so I made a lot of good friends in that regard, and yes. Yeah. Well, that's, like, incredibly courageous just to, like, pick up on your own and move to a city that's, like, as big as, you know, Nashville, and to just kind of step in there and, you know, plug in with, with musicians. I mean, when you first got there, 
how did you how did you get into you know a scene did you were you going to um, venues and you know going to shows and stuff is that how you were meeting musicians yeah that's the thing about nashville's every night there's writers rounds which is basically for those that don't know it's like three to four people sit in a row on stage and one by one they play a song like four times through so by the end of the night or by the end of the hour everyone's played three to four original songs and in theory it's supposed to like showcase the song not the performer mm-hmm. but you know i'm a terrible guitar player so that's been a journey too um <laughs> i didn't start playing till i moved there but yeah i would just go to writers rounds like every night and meet people and the thing about Nashville is it's very sort of top 40 country oriented, mm-hmm. like mainstream bro country oriented. So it, it took a little like longer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which is, which is not my thing. I can appreciate it as, as a craft. Like I think a lot of the songs are like tremendously clever, lyrically mm-hmm. speaking, just not my jam. But, um, but yeah, I just met people that way. Just going out every night. Now, when I come back to San Diego, it's, it's weird. Even like pre COVID, I was like, when I'm here, I don't go out every night. And it feels like you can do like 30 things every night in Nashville. But, mm-hmm. and, I, and I usually do. I go out every night in Nashville. Yeah, so. nice. Okay. Yeah, well, that, that kind of brings me to my next question, which is, you know, let's talk about the, the country genre. Um, you know, I, I listened to your EP. It was, it was great. And just like the feel of it was amazing. Definitely had so much of a, you know, traditional feel to it, which I absolutely love also. But you could definitely hear like the jazz influence in your voice and, um, you know, and other things. And, and it was, you know, really, it just made it, so interesting so nice to listen to um where where did country come into the picture for you it's weird like all of a sudden i think i bought like a dollar record at like cow and ob um and it was like a best of country hits from like the 70s for 99 cents and and i listened to it and i was like this is good like melodically there's a certain era of country where like everything is super there's so many nice harmonies it's mm-hmm. not this like I didn't grow up listening to country but everyone talks so much shit on it like oh it's twangy and gross and it's about trucks and I'm like this shit is awesome like old country is great yes. um so then I just started ginger cowgirl I started it to be a classic country cover band um yeah and as time has gone by I think I don't know I've I think my sound, like I'm changing my name back to, my stage name is gonna be just my, I still struggle with that decision, but I, I think it's the right one. Cause I don't wanna be locked into, like Ginger Cowgirl clearly indicates something about the style of music. Mm-hmm. And I think it pigeonholes me in kind of the wrong way. Cause this album I'm doing now is not really, like there's pedal steel on it, but there's, weird chords and weird lyrics and it's not at all like structurally country so Mm -hmm. it's americana whatever you take that to me yeah (laughs) Yeah. but i feel like i still write i don't know i'm not a very wordy lyricist i'm just like here are two verses i got my point out i have literally nothing else to say so all the songs are like two and a half minutes which is kind of scary because a full album is like 30 minutes but um, in that regard, I'm still kind of country. <laughs> yeah. Well, your lyrics are clever as hell. I was 
I mean, I was laughing and I was just kind of <laughs> sitting there like listening for the next line. And I just, I appreciate that so much about songwriters when you can write some good, you know, lyrics and, um, you know, really be like you, you, you have humor in it. Um, but at the same time, you know, you've got some painful statements happening, <laughs> but you just, it's like you paint this, uh, reality that you can really get a sense for you know in in your writing and um i like that a lot is you know have you been writing you know since you were young or or is that something that you picked up throughout the years first of all thank you so much and secondly no i really that was one of the reasons i wanted to go to nashville is i just i kept wanting to write songs and for whatever reason i didn't feel Maybe it's because I was gigging so often, doing like four-hour cover gigs. I just never really felt like I, the time or the motivation or sort of the, the community almost to do it. So I wish, I feel like, God, when I was 13, I was like, if I don't have a Grammy by the time I'm 17, I'm going to be a total wash-up. And now I'm, <laughs> yeah, now I'm like in my 30s and I'm like, I didn't start writing songs till I was like freaking 33. Yeah. And now... Oh, it's so much time lost, so much experience. Like, think of how much better I'd be, but that's no point mm -hmm. in thinking that way. So all I can do is keep practicing. Yeah. Well, you're doing pretty darn good, I would say. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. So, um, well, so now that things are beginning to, you know, open up again, um, we, you and I were kind of chatting before we got started that... And I'm sure the musicians and singers out there are feeling this a lot as well. At least I hope you are. Um, things are opening up in like the past two weeks. It's like this flood, you know, a flood of things coming in. And, and I feel like after, you know, having been out of work for so long, we're just compelled to say yes to everything. But now I am suffering the consequences of that hardcore right now <laughs> you don't see it on my face right now but, <laughs> but if i like nod off you know while we're talking <laughs> that, that why so you know how how is opening up changing for you i i realized in nashville standards were totally different than they were here in san diego but you know what's the difference between those worlds and how that's opening up for you i think since i don't do so many like background or I would do more background cover gigs in Nashville if they paid. Mm -hmm. But since I mostly I'm excited about being able to tour again, mm -hmm. like Nashville's a really great place to be because it's so centrally located. Like North Carolina is just like three to five hours away and Missouri and Alabama and everything is right there. And that was one of the really advantageous things pre-COVID was I would just go to a different city every weekend and start sort of building fans. Mm -hmm. So that's what opening means to me. Here in San Diego, I have been gigging a lot. And man, it is tiring. I've, I forgot since I don't do it that often. Also, everywhere in Nashville has PAs. And I come back here and I'm just like lugging my shit everywhere. Uh, oh, yeah. But yeah, it kind of eats your whole day, even if it's only like a three to four hour gig. Starts at five. You have to beat traffic. You have to make sure you're well fed. You have to get there. It's like all day. Mm -hmm. So yeah. it's tiring, man. It is. <laughs> a lot of hurry up and wait. Mm -hmm. I, lo I love sitting in a green room for three hours <laughs> waiting to play for 45 minutes. It's <laughs> time well spent for sure. 
Yeah. So now are, are you saying that you have toured before, like with previous releases? Is that something you've already experienced? Yeah, I, I've done just touring mostly in like the Southeast region. And in January and February of last year, right before COVID hit, I went to Europe with mm -hmm. Sam Hunt. I don't know if you know who that is, mm -hmm. but um, yeah, we did a little tour of like the UK and Germany and Scotland. Yeah, we played in Scotland too. Mm. So yeah, that was really fun. I love being on the road. I get a little like overweight because I just eat like fried chicken every day and you're sitting in a car, but it's cool. <laughs> I love, yeah. It's a souvenir. It's a souvenir yeah. from your, <laughs> your journey. <laughs> yeah, well, tell me more about that because, you know, um, I mean, that's a totally different, that's a totally different vein of music um, than I'm in. And I think that, you know, people who aren't, aren't musicians, I think they hear the word tour and they think, oh my gosh, how glamorous you're going from stadium to stadium every night and, you know, mm -hmm. uh, ducking and fleeing away from the paparazzi and your fans. But, you know, give us the real scoop on what it is like to a day in the life um, on tour. Well... It is going to your Airbnb and following their weird instructions on where to locate the key. And it's like 11 at night and it's dark. You're like, how do we get into this freaking place? <laughs> Finally, you get in. I'm sharing a bed with Sam. Thankfully, he does not snore. Um, you wake up early. We didn't have a car. So it's like, let's take the tube to this place. And you're carrying like two suitcases and like a guitar on your back through the London tube. They don't have elevators. You're down the stairs everywhere. Um, yeah, it's just constantly being physically uncomfortable, <laughs> constantly hungry, tired, mm -hmm. just never like a place to just sit and be for very long. Cause mm -hmm. if you're in a different city every day, which we were like, you check in at night, you leave the next morning. You can never just chill. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. And it is a lot of like, the reason I like it is because you meet so many people and I, I just love Europeans in general. <laughs> yeah. And just kind, people think you're special when you're not from there. So there's a sort of like magical, the magic of the road that happens. Like people are extra nice to you and they offer you their home and their food and they, they tip really well and they buy your merch. Mm -hmm. So it, it really sort of redeems on the flip side of constantly being physically inconvenienced. It's, it's life affirming and restores your faith in humanity <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. But so are yeah. one, once this new album comes out, um, are you already planning a tour or is it just kind of something you have in mind that you're going to, ho you're hoping will come to fruition? I mean, it has not been planned yet because mm -hmm. I hate planning tours. I hate booking tours. Yeah. Tell me what's that, what goes into that? A lot of Facebook research. I just mm -hmm. like, whenever somebody posts like a tour schedule of like any country in the, in Europe or like any state, I just like save it to my computer. And then mm -hmm. when I'm like, want to do a tour to that place, I just Google other places and I just send cold emails to people. And it's not until the tour is planned. It's like a constant open browser in your head. So you can like, you're like, well, they might give me this date, but if they don't give me this date, they'll give me the next date. In which case I have to move that. It's just like, you know, I, I, I enjoy logistical planning because 
I don't know, it's an achievable goal that can end <laughs> in theory, <laughs> but this one just takes weeks to end. And then you have to like ask for pay and negotiations stuff, which I'm frankly really terrible at. I'm just like, just whatever you want. It's cool. We're just happy to be there. Like, <laughs> but yeah, it's just so much work for very little return. Like most people never reply. And then yeah. I get filled with rage. So <laughs> it's an emotional roller coaster. I'm like, I saw who you booked and they fucking sucked. I'm better. You should respond to me. Like, <laughs> I love it. Yeah, that's, you know, and, and the other thing, too, it seems to me about touring, you know, when when you really when you perform mostly locally, or at least in, you know, within your region, for the most part, you get comfortable with venues, you kind of get comfortable with the people that come to see you and you, I don't know, you just you feel warm and happy, you know, when you're going to your gigs. And I imagine if you're out on the road and you're going to a venue for the first time, um, there's so much unknown. You wouldn't have any idea what to expect. You know, mm. have you, um, do you have any weird road stories or weird occurrences that have come up? You know, I should, but for the moment, I wish I should have thought about this. Um, pressure. No, I, <laughs> in Europe, at least everybody is super cool. Mm -hmm. Um, there's weird things like how does every German seem to know every word of King of the Road by Roger Miller? Like just the <sighs> fact that like they know the weirdest things like really okay yeah I get it, it's really beneficial to be an American in many ways but like the fact that our culture has such a historically has had such has been so enchanting to the rest of the world. Mm -hmm is really nice it makes people want to because that's the stressful thing about new places too it's like you've never been there you have no fan base mm -hmm. and it's like i'm i'm stressing hard like this is a ticketed event who is gonna come like i did some targeted facebook ads which mm -hmm. maybe worked i don't i don't know but in general people just showed up anyway so it was really nice um yeah, I wish I had a story of someone being an asshole. Nobody's ever stiffed me. I hear stories about other musicians where they got stiffed, and I'm just like, I don't know what I would do. If, what do you do? You just walk out. Like, you but... simmer and with anger and <laughs> yeah, <laughs> resentment for a long time. <laughs> I mean, yeah. yeah, it's it's complicated too finding bands when you've never met them abroad. Okay. Because, like, Sam and I went there, just the two of us, mm -hmm. and, like, I hired some bass, no drummers, but, like, a bass player and, like, some pedal steel players there, and that's just hard. <laughs> some <laughs> of them are not very good, and, but what are you going to do? Yeah. I, I struggle with it because, like, I think some people are just really amazing no matter the circumstances that they're dealing with. Mm -hmm. I am not one of those people. I'm just like, can you turn your instrument down? It is screeching <laughs> in my ear and I cannot abide. Like, but uh -oh. I don't say that. I just like, yeah, good job. Never hiring you again. Speaks for you. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> but fortunately people like audience members, as we all know, are not very discerning or musically educated. So they don't seem to notice things like that, but. Right. Right. <laughs> Yeah, all those all those notes that you try to perfect behind the scenes that <laughs> no one will ever know that you actually botched them, but uh, means so much to us. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
yeah. yeah, I have some. I'm an emotional roller coaster constantly about the quality of my voice. I'm in a period right now where I'm just like, oh, my voice is so terrible. I hate it. I can barely sing. I'm just like very negative self-talky right now. So I'm trying to just stop comparing myself to others. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> do you th- do you think that's because of you know pandemic and just like less frequent shows and singing or? Or are you just having a minute? <laughs> I think I'm just having a minute, man. I don't... I'm just like a real perfectionist. And I doing things like the, the Studio 2 really mm-hmm. points out all the flaws. Yeah. Even though, I mean... Well, at least Ben told me that I'm a better singer than most people he deals with. Whatever. Like, a better <laughs> studio singer. But who knows? doesn't even matter who cares what other people think like it matters what I I need to come to terms with it myself and yeah 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 I think I think every singer goes through that I mean there are days that you know I I want to go work at like Jersey Mike's instead and (laughs) you know just kind of live the rest of my life doing that but then there are days where I feel like wow I guess I'm really good you know and I'm real Mm -hmm. proud of myself but but it it comes and goes that's for sure it's hard too because like you're harmonizing with so many people at once which I'm sure like you guys do like three-part harmony all the time right Mm -hmm. yeah so any weak link in that chain makes things even more evident like I'm lucky that I usually only sing lead whenever someone tries to harmonize with me live I'm like oh this feels weird like now I have to sing it the same way every time, so you know, because I'm always like, I'll sing it different this way this time. Why not? But yeah, 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 yeah. It really is interesting. I know when you're when you're in a band, and you know, especially having multiple vocalists, the more you can develop a, a comfort level with who you're working with, um, you know, is so great. I mean, you know, I work with Donovan and Darrell. Those are my co-singers in the band. And we've been together for so long that we just kind of like have it gelled. You know, we have our formula, how we stack everything. Mikey sings too. Our drummer sings as well. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's always fun when we can add a fourth in there. But, you know, you're, you know, the chemistry on stage between you, your singers and your musicians is everything. And mm-hmm. I can imagine you talking about, you know, going to another country and having to hire a band sight unseen. That is... Um, I don't know about that. That would be pretty scary. It is. It's scary, yeah. but necessary. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I w- I would like to know. So, with doing the tours, what would you say is like really the objective for you when you go on a tour? Are you are you looking for the adventure of it and the experience of it, or are you really hardcore about building your fan base? And um, you know, do you have some sort of a method to you know pulling in new fans and um you know keeping them in theory it is about it's both like it's really both but Mm -hmm. in theory it is more about building a fan base Mm -hmm. and i don't know i i I experience regular despair on this front because (laughs) (laughs) i love your honesty (laughs) I really do. <laughs> because, like, I am not a networker by nature, and I've just accepted that about myself. I, I don't think that there's, like, a lot of skills you can learn, 
I'm not sure that networking is one of those skills because it's about your energy. Mm-hmm. And like, it freaks me out to walk up to strangers. And that makes me act weird, which makes me come off weird. Then they don't want to talk to me. It's just like, so in answer to your question, I have no methodology to capture fans. Mm-hmm. Like I should, I should make a point of announcing more than once sign up for my email list, like any way to keep people on my radar or to keep me on theirs. But I don't know. I feel I I struggle a lot with, with that. I don't like, that's why they're they're on Broadway in Nashville is the only place where you get paid to play music and not the only, but like that's where most musicians work in Nashville and they're just playing like requests and top 40 stuff. And, um, most of their money comes from tips and the way they get those tips is usually if there's a girl in the band i.e it was me when i was working down there you have to walk around the entire like go from person to person asking for tips and i'm just like that alone i was like i'm not working down here anymore i cannot handle it like it's so hurtful to me when someone doesn't tip me like (laughs) like, personal (laughs) yeah it's everything is very personal for me so when i like announce we're working for, you know, I just like, it feels like I'm nagging people like sign up for me. And I know that's not the case. Like you, at least in Europe, like you bought a ticket to be here. You've enjoyed yourself. You bought my CD. You presumably want to know when I'm coming back, but it just feels so like salesman-y for me to like, so I just, I totally let it go. And I don't know what to do about that. Mm-hmm. I guess I, that is a skill I guess I could cultivate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think that's really, um, something that a lot of people don't realize is they look at singers and, you know, musicians and assume that because what they do for a living is on stage and in front Mm -hmm. of the public, um, that, you know, the personality that they see on stage is what they get off stage. And that is not always the case. Um, and it sounds like, I think you may be a lot, we may be a lot like each other (laughs) where I'm very introverted and, in a group setting or whatever, I am awkward, like so awkward, it's embarrassing. (laughs) And so, you know, thank God I'm married to a big time talker. So I let him do all of the talking for me. (laughs) Otherwise no one would ever know what I do for a living if, if it weren't for that. And so it is, you know, really as, as introverts and people who aren't, you know, really super hyped about going out into crowds, um, you do, you've really got to learn how to, um, how to compensate for that and do things in another way. I don't think Mm -hmm. it, counts you out by um any means but um it is difficult because i'm i don't know if you feel this way but after doing a show i i mean during a show i love that energy the back and forth energy and you know um meeting eyes with people you know feeling that you've connected with someone and just kind of like you know you're you're having a moment you know with your people but as soon as the show is over I make a beeline exit for <laughs> for backstage. And, you know, and so many people want you to hang out. And, and that just like, that just makes me sweat mm-hmm. profusely. Especially like, what is the conversation that usually takes place after that? Like, you sounded so great. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Like, what do I say now? <laughs> like, yeah. what do you do for a living stranger? I don't, it's like a very odd. Come here often? <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. 
it is hard. And there, I'm sure there are ways to compensate. I just need to <laughs> figure them out. Yeah, yeah. Right. No, and, the, and that, of course, like you said, it spills over into the marketing aspects, you know, of our business, too, because you really do. You have to put yourself out there in some way. And, and I mean, I know that, you know, we can't always be comfortable, like in our, you know, warm little cocoons and soft and safe, you know, all the time. <laughs> We've got to step out of our comfort zone sometimes. But, you know, it is hard to you know, put yourself out there and feel like you're just hammering people over the head with your, uh, mm-hmm. with your music. And so I, I think that's probably a skill too, that is acquired, you know, mm-hmm. learning to work that muscle, but yeah. If only Sam were good at talking to people like not your, your husband, like, no, new, Sam's even worse than me. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> my husband okay (laughs) he's probably listening in the other room but we early on in my career i did a lot of country music and so we were always at the like um country awards out in las vegas and you know doing events and things like that and um if left to myself i would stay in my room the whole time Mm -hmm. i would not go out anywhere but he he marches us into a bar and he will identify, you know, somebody that he saw performing on stage or somebody he knows, he observes everything. And he will just walk right up to somebody and introduce himself, you know, tell him where we're from, what we're doing. And, and, and he's so, but he's so genuine about it, you know, mm-hmm. that like people really like him. And so I'm telling you, it, it really is nice when you have people <laughs> like that in your camp, you know. Maybe you need to you need to get a, a hype man for your next yeah. tour and bring him along. <laughs> I, I yeah, that would be awesome. Like hype man slash merch seller. Yes, that, that's that's, that's a, dream. a perfect role. Yeah, yeah. As long as they're not too pricey, but <laughs> <laughs> Shit, maybe um, worth it. Ah, uh, yeah. So, uh, well, that that makes me think. Um, so is um is music your full-time career do you do you work outside of the field of music since i moved to nashville yes mm-hmm. i well, i just quit last week ooh, ooh. Oh. but i my my aspiration was to move to nashville and get a job at the country music hall of fame which i did within a week of living there and i've worked there this whole time and yeah but it's a really great museum but i'm it's menial work and I'm tired of repeating the same thing over and over again to the thousands of customers that are you <laughs> a tour guide? Of... No, I could have been a tour guide, but I wasn't, I should have because people, it's... <laughs> <laughs> people will want to talk to you. <laughs> I will say this job did make me better at talking to people because I, I applied like as a cashier but it turns out the way they do things there is everybody's cross-trained on everything. So I went in on my day of training thinking I was just going to be a cashier. And I've been a cashier at a million places. And that's, like, easy for me because somebody walks up to the window and you have, like, an interaction. You both know how it's going to go, you know? I'm here to give you money. Bye. Like, but there's all these other things I had to do there. You just have to, like, walk up to strangers and be like, here's our pricing options. Uh. And, like put crowds of people in an elevator and give them this little spiel about how the museum is organized while they're talking over you. So I I do, I have grown in that regard, Mm -hmm. 
Um, it feels different when I'm doing it for my own ends. Like it's, you know, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, that's why I quit that job. Yeah. <laughs> well, it seems like it, it, it might be slightly easier to do, like you said, when you're promoting somebody else and it's a requirement of your employment to do it. You know? Totally. Yeah. <laughs> Not just the self-promotion. But... <laughs> yeah, I get, yeah. We all really need to just not care what people think. And that's yes. such a like a pearl of wisdom everyone's always tossing around. Mm-hmm. And yet I can't think of anybody that doesn't. I don't know. Yeah. I just have a lower threshold than others, perhaps. <laughs> yeah. Or, you know, I agree with that. Or we, we have to learn to like reframe the way we're processing our feelings about that because just in living in this social media day and age, it's worse than ever, you know, because Mm -hmm. we see what everybody's doing in our face all the time. And, you know, it's, I think it's so perfectly natural that, you know, we're going to, we're going to compare ourselves to one another and and feel like everybody's doing more than you are doing, or, you know, why wasn't I called for that gig? Mm -hmm. And, you know, it, it really is hard, but I just, um, I, I still feel those, feelings sometimes too, but I think, you know, um, at this stage in my life, I have kind of come to that place where I feel like, uh, you know, when I see other people doing great things, it serves as a source of inspiration for me. I know that, I know that if I'm feeling jealous, that's telling me something. It's Mm -hmm. telling me about some, you know, some kind of a desire that I have inside or, you know, an, an unmet, um, goal. And I, I always have to remind myself too that, you know, their, their life, their journey, their opportunities are not mine because if they Mm. were mine, they would have come my way, you know? Mm. So we, we carry on, but it is hard. That is another very hard aspect of the business. Um, I'm fully neglecting the comments over here. So let me jump over here. We got Z out there. Hey Z, how are you? Welcome. And, um, Gustavo is here. He says, hi, Stacy. Hey, Gustavo. <laughs> wow, beautiful. Yeah, and Dan, uh, he says, it's been a great interview, people being honest and real. <laughs> hey, Dan. Yeah, <clears throat> we do like to keep it real. Yeah, well, um, it, it's so good meeting you. I, I, I love this conversation. I truly do love your honesty. This has been like refreshing. <laughs> I like it. Um, But tell me uh, before we kind of like wrap things up. um, One of the things I've been asking everybody is, um, you know, it has been such a um, crazy, crazy season of life, you know, for everybody. And hopefully, you know, that we've learned some lessons from this or or gleaned some, you know, silver linings. Um, But do you feel like there are any things that you can pinpoint that have kind of changed you for the better or do you operate in a different way? Such a great question. I, 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 let me think for a minute. Mm -hmm. While you're thinking, I know that you mentioned to me that you basically wrote the album during this whole time. That I think it's weird because like when quarantine first started, it felt like every day was a new year, like so many things being, and now I just sort of feel like I've just settled into the miasma of whatever, whatever this is, I guess it's life again. 
it's hard for me to recall what I've learned. Like, <laughs> um, I've learned that words matter and that leadership matters on a political level, not to get mm-hmm. political, just like, yeah, I don't know. Examples matter. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that, I, I wrote a list like halfway through this where I, but I can't remember what the other things were. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I feel like, I feel like since I've been able to, oftentimes, one of the things I dislike about myself is that I like, oh, I want to be a singer, I'm a singer, but like I never ever practice, I never do anything, (laughs) and once, once I get over the hump of like procrastinating, if I just force myself to do something for like five minutes, I'm like, shit, this is fun, like even if I'm just singing the same line of a song over and over again to get it perfect, I'm like, oh, like, this is important, like, the craft of it all. So I've I've gotten more into that, just, like, just being present in the moment and, like, doing what you actually say you want to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. Yeah, doing the actual yeah. things. Yeah. Well, that, that's a great lesson. That's a great lesson, <laughs> too. And it is, you know, I think that um, I, I am part of a huge um, voice instructor organization and one common thing you know that i hear a lot is um the the greatest audience of people that are taking vocal instruction um are not necessarily singers or have any ambition to you know be professionals or anything and it's really a lot of the high level professionals that don't ever train Mm -hmm. or you know because if if you're naturally gifted and just naturally good at it it's like what's to learn until you until you start vocally fatiguing or trashing your voice or something Mm -hmm. like that you know why bother but I think so many people are like that you know when you especially if you're singing a lot you know if you're singing every night and um, it's hard to sit down and listen to stuff and it's especially hard for me if I don't like the material that I'm learning (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah, it's hard well it has been so nice talking with you you're delightful I love I love this your your energy and your honesty is it's great I really love it so um tell everybody again and I'm, I'm gonna pop those social handles in um the chat again so everyone can see them where would you like everybody to visit where can they go to hear your music and all the things ginger cowgirl so everything is at just at gingercowgirl.com mm-hmm. that links to everything else. Um, I'm on Spotify and Apple Music and all the usual places. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Um, album's going to be spring 2022. But again, it'll be under my name, Stacey Antonell. But stacyantonell.com mm-hmm. also auto-directs to Ginger Cowgirl. So mm-hmm. it's all the same. Great. Okay. If you're, in, if you're in San Diego, I'm playing this Saturday at the Grand Old Barbecue. 1 to 4 p.m. and at Twin Oaks Valley Winery in San Marcos, 6 to 8 p.m. Awesome. Boom. <laughs> yeah. Oh, great. Well, I highly encourage everybody, go go to her website, check out her music. It's great. You will love it. It's really unique. Um, and then after you have listened to her music, go to her show, like all of her things, get, <laughs> get all things Ginger Cowgirl going in your life. And I'm, you know, I will eagerly await your new album coming out that is so exciting so we'll just have to you know stay in touch and you know hopefully our paths will cross at some point here in san diego